Hello and welcome along to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. It's Wednesday and that means we're going to be answering your questions from the topical to the hypothetical. Uh, we'll do our very best to get through as many as we can each week. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get your question on the show, you can send them to at Rest is Football on all the main social channels or email us at the rest is football at gmail.com. Uh, before we get to those questions today, though, uh, here's a quick message we wanted to read out that has been sent by Adam Spicer. And he says, Hi, guys, I just wanted to send a shout out to say that I've really enjoyed the podcast the last few weeks. I have been fighting stage four bowel cancer for the last 18 months and taking my mind off things is really tough. But when I listen to you, lads, that's happens. I'm a huge football fan. Uh, Gary, you were my idol when I was growing up and the reason I wanted to be a striker. Alan, I only made it semi-pro but I was a semi-pro version of you aggressive and bang lots of goals in and Micah you are a brilliant broadcaster you always crack me up don't ever change cheers guys and look forward to listening in for the rest of the season uh, Adam um, Adam thank you very much for that um, we wish you uh, all the very best and hopefully a full and um, relatively speedy recovery that's uh, kind and thank you for all the kind comments um quite overwhelming actually right let's get to the questions though uh first one from ed mccloskey should football bring in the same simple rule as rugby that only the captain can talk to the referee i think that's sort of assumed uh, in football it's or at least it's the way it's supposed to be but probably doesn't always pan out it's happening more and more though in football isn't it I know the, the captains go into the referee's room before the game uh, the referee spells out what he wants etc etc um, and you do you are seeing it more on a pitch where the referee's calling the captain over aren't you so I think yes I agree with with that it should, should it should be only the captain that's allowed to to go up to the referee and to uh, to protest for the re- to the referee Sometimes the captain can be the worst advocate, the one who moans the most or complains the most. I mean, take, for example, you, yes. And um, uh, Bruno Fernandes at, at, at the weekend was was whining and had a few things to say about the referee, Micah. It's just, it's getting embarrassing now. The, the young lad Palestri comes on and Fernandes, you know, he's trying to get his team playing, totally understand, frustrated. But Palestri made a, a run and Fernandez didn't see him and then made a different run. And then because he, he wasn't where he wanted him to be, he's going off at Palestri and it's every time. Bruno Fernandez is a fantastic, but, but since he got the captain's armband, I feel like I seen an interview him the other day and he says like he needs to be emotional and perform when he's emotional because it makes him play better. But I, I feel like his body language on the pitch is disturbing the rest of, of the team. And it's just not a good look at all. I just, it, it's pathetic at times. Do you know what would be, you know what would be really funny? If the referee could respond. I'm sure he'd turn around and say, if you'd have stuck that fucking chance in, you wouldn't have been in the situation you were in anyway. Now that simple header that he missed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny if the referee came out and said that, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, that reminds me of a question that we received from Malcolm Elliott, who asked which referee had the best crack. Um, I presume he's the Irish. And which referee did you dare not speak to on the pitch? Whoa, who had the best Good crack? Good question. 
Um, Phil Dowd. He had the best banter. Do you remember Phil Dowd? Phil Dowd. Yeah, I Phil remember him. Phil Dowd. Did he give you give you a bit it back? Give me. It was uh, basically it was at Anfield, and you know what hard it is to go to to Anfield. You know the fans, the atmosphere. And whatever it might be, it just feels like you can't get a foot in, in the game. And I remember I did a tackle and he gave a free kick, but I didn't think it was a free kick. And he, he basically just said, well, if you could defend properly, do you know what I mean? You wouldn't have to worry about my referee decisions. Like, <laughs> he, he just told me, he told me to jog on. And I was just like, I was, I, I was angry with him, but I, I was laughing at the same time. I just thought, fair play to you. You're giving me a little bit back for all the abuse that you get for all the game. And I just, ever since then, I never gave him abuse. It was just like, yeah, fair play. I like you. You've got- that, That's back. the same thing. You know, I've just said about Bruno Fernandes and the referee. I don't know whether you remember, Gary, you might remember, but Micah, you won't. A referee called Pat Partridge. Yeah, I was uh, I was being refereed by him when I was a, when I was a youngster, just coming into the uh, coming into the game, and I was moaning at him for a decision. And he actually turned around and told me to shut up. He said, "If you do your job and put the ball in the back of the net, you you do that and leave my job to me, will you?" And, I, and, and that's, <laughs> it was yeah. I just thought yeah, at least you could have a bit of you could have a bit of crack and banter with them, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Certainly, that used to be the case. Um, in, in in my time, they, they used to give you a little bit back and stuff if you you had a pop at them. I just didn't like the referees where you know when you said something they just looked at you and just flicked their their hand away as if to say yeah. I'm like a headmaster. You can't speak to me like that. Get away from me. I didn't. I hated that. The referees in Spain um, were always quite flamboyant, you know, and they admonished the yellow yeah. card like they were <laughs> like a bullfighter. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the in the arena. <laughs> Uh, that was the closest I ever got to getting booked. Actually, there was a um, he gave some appalling decision, and I actually just laughed. And he came over and he went to his pocket, like just to, to get <laughs> to it, grab the it. card. And I, I just went, "Were well, you going to book me f just for laughing?" <laughs> and he he did change his mind. So that was the, that closest I got. I've got a question from um, Neil Armstrong. I presume it's not the man who uh, who trod on the moon. Um, <laughs> Um, but who knows? Um, how long before the Saudis want to be in the Champions League or start their own big money competition with Europe's elite clubs? That's an interesting one because it's, it's been muted that they might try and get a team and they've had talks with UEFA whether they could um, get into the Champions League. Um, that would be interesting because the way they're going, they and if they had to adhere to the um, rules of UEFA in terms of financial fair play, they, they'd be scuppered, wouldn't they? Well, of course they would. I mean, it's not sustainable. I mean, what they're doing and going forward, I, I guess, yeah, of course they want to get in. I guess that's their, their end game is they want to play at the elite level, at the highest level. How that would work, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, the, the, the amount of money that they're spending is it's crazy, isn't it? So that would have to change. That would be one of the things that would have to change because you, you couldn't continue to do that. It's not fair on on the rest of the teams that are in uh, that are, that are in Europe. Um, just a bit of bad news. Um, Neil Armstrong, the astronaut, is dead. Another one, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> And do you know what? I was thinking, shall I say something or not? I was going to be a bit disrespectful here, but I, I thought I'd better just be quiet, just in case. Oh, oh dear. Who was the other one, Maker? <laughs> it was the uh, fullback. Carlos Alberto. Oh, we shouldn't laugh at someone not being with us any longer. But... Well, we all go in the end. But yeah. um, 
um, for those that you are not aware, we 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 do the BBC Mash of the Day top ten um, podcasts um, for BBC Sounds uh, and BBC indeed, and um, we were doing one particular episode where there was a eulogy um, from one Carlos Alberto towards Micah when he saw him bursting onto the scene in that um, that one great season that he had. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I inadvertently kind of said, you know, <laughs> if you're listening, Carlos, um, Mike is really, really happy about that. And then and one of our producers in the background shouted, he's dead. Uh, and, and we actually rolled on the floor um, in, in hysterics um, childishly oh, for about half an hour. <sighs> Right, um, one from, um, I don't know how to say surname, uh, Mo Leye, or it could be Ye, if it's Spanish, it's spelled L-L-E-Y-E for what it's worth. Anyway, love the show so far, gents. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this question is more for Gary and Alan. Sorry, Micah. Uh, do you have any Brian Clough stories to share? It seems like everyone from that era has at least one. Well, I certainly do. Go on um, then, finally. I'll go away while you think about it. Yeah. Um, Towards the latter stages of my career, when I was at Barcelona, actually, in the last season at Barcelona, I was 29 going on 30. And I'd been been playing on the wing all that season with Johan Cruyff and I, and I decided that I had to leave, really, at the end of the season. But I didn't know where I was going. And we were on end of season tour with England, um, playing, I think, in Denmark. And we, we had a friendly game there. And I always roomed with Peter Shilton, and the telephone went and I was actually in the bathroom. I was sitting on the loo and I heard Peter Shilton answer the phone. And now Schultz was an incredibly confident guy with everybody. But I thought I could hear him chattering away. And I thought, he's, that doesn't sound like Schultz. He sounds like he's a little bit nervous. He's a bit in awe of whoever's on the phone. So I heard him say, uh, hang on a minute. He's on, he's on the loo. So... He shouted me and I went, I'll be, I'll be there in a minute. So I did what I had to do. I got up and I came in and Peter Shilton covered the mouthpiece of the phone and he went, it's Brian Clough. And I thought, oh shit. <laughs> so I walked over, picked the phone up and he went, young man, have you washed your hands? <laughs> so forgive the impression. So I, so I said, I said, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I have, uh, Mr. Clough. He went, call me Brian. I said, okay. He went, tell me, are you signed, sealed and delivered? <laughs> I said, well, no, no, actually, I'm, I'm quite open-minded as, as to where I go. I said, I've got to leave now. I said, I've got some interest from different parts, but nothing yet finalised. He went, would you consider coming back to England? I said, well, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a possibility as well. I've, I've, there is interest. Um, would you consider coming to Nottingham Forest? I went, not really, no, Brian. Why not? <laughs> I said, well, to be perfectly honest, Brian, I said, you know, if I come back to England, and this came out really, it didn't come out how I wanted <laughs> no. it. I said, if I come back to England, I want to come back to one of the big clubs. Oh, dear. <laughs> and Pete Shilton buried his head in the pillow at this point. Um, and Brian Clough went, Nottingham Forest is a big club. There's only Liverpool won more than us in the last 10 years, young man. I said, no, I'd, sorry, I'd, I'd, I understand what you're saying. I said, but I said, but when I talk, you know, I'm talking about the, you know, like the, the big clubs with the big crowds and I was just getting myself in a bigger pickle. And um, 
I said, no, I'm from Leicester. I said, it's down the road. I said, you know, forest is really difficult if you understand me. He went, no, I don't. Call me Mr. Clough and bang the phone down. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> True story. My only experience with uh, with Brian Clough was, um, Michael won't remember, the, the old Zenith Data Systems Cup final, Southampton v Forest. Is that as big Wembley. as the Tormor? <laughs> no, not quite as big. We got beaten that as well. Um, I was standing in the tunnel. I was, I don't know, 18, 18-year-old 18 boy, just got in a year or so into the Southampton first team. We're standing in the tunnel, ready to come out at Wembley. And I feel this almighty fucking... Someone comes right into the back of me, and, the, and, I, and I look around. It's him. It's Brian Clough is coming, and he's booted me. He's just booted me in the tail. <laughs> he, was, he was well known for doing that. <laughs> Honestly, he, he just comes straight into the back of my calves, and he went, "You're a danger, man. I want to take you out." <laughs> I thought, what on earth is I'm standing at Wembley, and their manager comes into the back of me. Uh, uh, I, th I think my impression was better than yours. It was, yeah. And, and, and also, he didn't. The only other time, I, apart from when I played in the cup final, but the one time I was at an airport at Heathrow, I was um, meeting my um, first wife, Michelle, and weirdly, Brian Clough came out while I was waiting there, and he spotted me. And he came over and he went, "You're always smiling. I like that young man." And then he gave me a kiss full on the lips. <laughs> Was it a good kiss? And that was it. It was, well, no tongs were involved, Micah, thankfully. But it was the weirdest, the weirdest thing. Um, what, a guy. What, a, what a guy, what a character. Yeah. Um, right, I've got one from Hannah Vekamaki. Uh, forgive me for my dreadful pronunciation of that. Hello, team. I'm a lifelong football fan from Finland. I would like to hear your insights into competitiveness. Are all successful football players equally competitive? Are there different levels of competitiveness? In case of a competitive person, does it apply to all walks of life or can it be switched off in some activities? I've never I've never met a top sportsman who is not competitive. And if, if you do see one that's not competitive, he won't be a top sportsman. Agreed? Yes, but there's different levels, I, I think. I think to sustain it for a long period of time, I believe you are more competitive. You're either way better than everyone or more competitive. Like, so say if you win the league, how do you win the league again and then again? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but some people, when they win something, that's the end of their goal. So then they start being less competitive, I would say. I think it's... In my experience, it's uh, yes, it's in football and sportsmen and women are you have to have that edge. But I think it's it's all in life and in certainly in business as well. You have to have a bit of nastiness about you somehow. You might get all these great business guys who are really lovely guys, but to get to to get to a certain level, an elite level, I think you have to have you have to have a bit about you definitely. Mm. Not necessarily nastiness though, but well, that, drive sure and ambition. And yeah, I'm probably more. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you you might have to have a bit of you bit just of an have edge. to be some bit definitely a bit of an edge. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got an, um, another one from abroad. Actually, it's, it's fantastic that we're, we're getting listeners from outside the UK. Uh, hey guys, um, from Gerwin van der Steeg. 
That's probably completely wrong as well. Hey guys, great podcast. I'm listening to you every day when commuting into Amsterdam. If you could spend a weekend in Amsterdam with two of your former teammates, who would you invite? Well, I know I'm inviting Micah Richards. (laughs) The money he spends on bar bills over the years, I'm going with him. (laughs) Oh, Oh God, yeah. I, I mean, I'd be tempted to go with 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 Gaza, but I don't think oh, I could God, I could you, manage two days with him. I mean, in Amsterdam, that would that would be quite something. In fact, I had the most uh, incredible eclectic mix of teammates at, at, at Tottenham. So we had incredible characters: Steve Sedgley, um, Paul Stewart, and and Gaza. Uh, I I remember Jesus. being in a I remember being in a car with the three of them and I was driving, I think we're going from training to somewhere else, like to the ground or something. And we, we, there was an ice cream van and guys go, oh, I want an ice cream. I want an ice cream. So I went, oh, okay, we'll, we'll stop. And we all, we all got like a, like a cone with a ice, you know, like a 99 or something. <laughs> and, um, and Gaz was sitting next to me in the passenger seat and there was a, a cyclist going on and 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 we pulled up to the traffic lights and they were on red and the cyclist stopped and Gaza winds his window down and goes, "All right, me." And he and he looked. The fella looks at him. And he, he puts his he puts his ice cream and he, on his nose, sticks it on his nose, and the end of the coat. And then the lights change and we go off. And this fella's got you and he's he's going off one and he's riding on his bike chasing us down. Honestly, the things the things the things he used to do. So I'd I'd, prob- I'd perhaps take two or th- three of those guys. Um, Micah. Uh- what are we doing in Amsterdam? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what? Ooh, is it, that is a very good question. Yeah. Depends. Being picking fucking daffodils, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tulips, Alan. Tulips that's in it. Amsterdam. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's take a break. Brilliant. <laughs> 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 I'm sure there's daffodils in Amsterdam as well, by the way. Fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. Um, we're answering your questions. Uh, I've got one from Christopher Doble. Hi, guys. Loving the new podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Christopher. If you were in charge of creating or implementing the laws of the game, what one thing would you change? Handball law. It's a mess and at the minute. What would you do with it, though? Just make it, try and make it as simple as possible. Like it used to be now. Like day. it used to be. I know we used to have a moan up then, but I mean, they've tied themselves in so many knots trying to get the perfect solution. There isn't one. Um, All this natural, unnatural proximity, high, low, fucking hell. It's just a complete and utter mess at the minute. So that would be mine. I would make it so simple. Ooh, good one. I would go with offsides and all this nonsense that we have to go through with the VAR and it's a fingernail. If your feet are onside, Forget your body. Just, just feet. feet. I actually agree with that. Just I agree feet. With you. Just keep yeah. it simple. If your feet are on side, it's a goal. Simple yeah. And that's as that. easier to measure, isn't it? Because those lines are on the ground. Those, 
things going up to your shoulder, which point of your shoulder is your arm and all this nonsense. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, My one is actually um, bringing in a new law, um, which would allow players to take free kicks as quickly as you want and even to yourself, like they do the little thing in rugby, don't they, where they tap it and they they can run with it. Because at the moment, I think the free kick law um, it actually goes against the person being fouled. Um, so, so you know, when someone breaks away and you try and stop the play, and we all say, oh, he, d- he took one for the team there, a professional foul. That's fine. But the person fouled or anyone on that team should be allowed to take that free kick as quickly as possible. At the minute, it slows the game down. It's boring. It's time-wasting. Everyone has to wait till everyone's in position. I don't understand why they don't give the advantage to the team that has been fouled. Agreed. Um, and I think that would be a real good rule change. And it would also stop a lot of time wasting and, and, and faffing around. Okay. One from Greg Ingham. Hi, Gary, Alan and Micah. If you each had to assemble a pub quiz team of you and four of the footballers, past or present, which four would you all choose? Who's clever that you played with? Vincent Company. Yeah. Of course, we've got to have Vincent. He's like a, he's like a school teacher anyway. Been to university. He was studying economics, so he knows everything about everything. So I'm going Vincent Company. That's my number one. You're number one. You're number yeah. one, Alan. I think I know about team teammates. Um, I think people who work with, I would definitely have Dan Walker on my team because he's an encyclopedia of everything, isn't he? Hmm. Very yeah. knowledgeable, but that Very. wasn't... You, well, I know that, that. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Oh, I'm just trying to think I'll, of some clever Richard, teammates. I'll check Richard Osman then. <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't think I can remember too many clever teammates. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I played I, I play with some intelligent ones. Alan Smith, I've mentioned before in a previous podcast, um, I'd probably get in someone like, or oh, who else? Terry Butcher. Um, very, very smart guy. Um, Mike, anymore? Why I'm trying to think of Milner. Two, I've James, got James, 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 James Milner. Milner. I played with James Milner as well, actually. He and he's still absolutely playing. annoys me because he's good at everything. If it's a quiz, <laughs> if it's golf, if it's football, if it's tennis, if it's rugby, and he's a Leeds lad, and he gets more love than I get. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Milner. Everyone loves them. I might go someone like Bobby Robson, you know, he had a wide range of interests, well-read. I know he's, I didn't play with him. It's quite slightly different, but I did, did work with him a lot. Mm. Steve Harper's and Heath just thinks he's right in everything. So he would be correct. Even if it was the wrong answer. <laughs> well, yeah. We could go on all day though. That two each is enough, isn't it? Um, we'll move on. Question from Sam. Now that we've basically finished the first two game weeks, who are you all most and least impressed with so far? Most impressed with, Alan? Most impressed with, not going to surprise anyone, but I've been really impressed with how Man City have come out again. It was after what they did last season, after the news with Kevin De Bruyne, I just think the way they've approached, the, I mean, they've, they've got one trophy in the bag, albeit um, penalties, but... Even against Newcastle, I just thought their attitude was amazing. They didn't give Newcastle a sniff, really, um, the way they won their first game. So Man City, really impressed with. Not so impressed with Manchester United. How about the ambassador of, for Manchester City? <laughs> uh, 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 surprises? I'm going to go Brighton. Yeah. 
to lose the players year after year and continuously put in great performances with flair, style of play, Brighton definitely has to be mine. And at the other end? Um, you know what? I'm going to say Everton. I, I just believe that Sean Dyche coming in, having to keep them up, it'll be fresh. They will give us something more. Yes, not maybe going forward, but a little bit more stability. And the goals they gave away against Aston Villa, that's not like a Sean Dyche team at all. So I've been, yeah, least impressed with, with Everton so far. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, Tottenham. Um, I think um, they've really... Um, surprised me really. I mean, I, I and Postecoglou has done some, you know, great stuff with with Celtic. We know he's got front foot football, but to come in at a time when you're going to lose your, your star player and to come out sparkling, I think has been a terrific start. And and I, I actually say Everton as well, Michael, because it because two of my ex clubs there, um, Everton, which is deeply worrying at the moment. You know the, what they got left now, ten days in the window or something to do something. Uh, to find somebody. From Alex Gulliver. Hey folks, the recent changes to penalised time-wasting tactics made me wonder, which player or team was most frustrating for you to play against when chasing a game? Which opponent had truly mastered the dark arts? <laughs> Ooh, there was a couple. Uh, Kevin Davis. Kevin Davis? Bolton. What did Horrible. he do? Horrible. He used to put his big arms out and he was so strong. Oh, it used to annoy me. And then you give him the slightest little touch, it'd fall over. And he was the strongest man. And Drogba did the same. And John Carew as well. Them three. <laughs> they had, oh, the dark arts to a T. Arsenal for me. Remember Arsenal? Remember that with George Graham, Arsenal? I was going to say the same thing, yeah. Oh, I mean, they, they, if, if, if it was there and they could do it, that Arsenal team did it. Yeah. Um, I used to t say to the ref before we go out against yeah. Arsenal, but when I was playing for Tottenham against that that side, you know, the Bold and Adams and yeah. Keown and all that, oh, it's tough to play against. I always used to have a word with the referee. I said, honestly, you've got to clamp down on them early on. If you don't give them a yellow card, because <laughs> honestly, yeah. you see in the first five minutes, they'll clatter me. They'll absolutely be, and, and if you don't do anything, they'll do it all game. Yeah. Never worked, never made any difference. Um, it's amazing that we did the same thing. I yeah. did that exact did same you? thing as well. I said, <laughs> I said, it's always the case, especially at Highbury. They yeah. get a free fucking hit on you. They're going to scythe you down in the first 10 minutes. Just watch it. It's going to happen. It happens all the time. Yeah. And, if, and it did, and you just look at the referee and you looked as if you say, I'm not that bothered. It's allowed. It's like I think in fucking I hell. What's the point? What's the point of saying anything? I, I mean, so, that's yeah, one awesome. of the law changes that's been great in the game. Yeah. That you can't just can't just crash into and kick players from, particularly from behind. I, that would have been lovely in our day when it you used to have to commit grievous bodily harm to get a yellow card. Uh, but then the other thing I, I used to do against Arsenal, one uh, any team really that played a really high line like they did. You remember they always used to put the one arm up, famous yeah. for it for for getting offside decisions. I was in the first five, 10 minutes of the game, I'd always be deliberately offside two or three times um, for two reasons. One, they think, ah, we've got him, we've got him every time. And and the other one is that if the linesman's lifted his flag up three times, it was a linesman back then, not an you know, assistant yeah. referee like it is now. <laughs> if they've lifted their flag up a few times and the crowd are getting onto them, the next time you make a run and you time it a little bit better, they might, might just give you the benefit 
of yeah. the doubt. Um, I don't think that probably worked ever either, but you never know. <laughs> it might have done on that's the right. odd, odd occasion. Um, so that's it um, for now. Um, keep please sending your questions. They're much appreciated. You can send them to at rest is football and we'll be here each week to answer as many of them as we possibly can. Um, they've been great so far. Um, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.